The European draws have been made and it's derbies galore. The Diego Costa derby, the Neymar derby and yes, the David Moyes derby. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Tuesday the 15th of December. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Luke Moore. Such a relief to pronounce David Moyes correctly. Yes, as, as he was named when he was born, David. <laughs> and it will be David. Mm-hmm. Whenever it comes up on that auto cue at Sky, I just think, don't get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Don't. You know how it's pronounced. Um, when, when do you it's think... like David Ginola. No. Yeah. No, it's wrong. It's when... actually David Moyes, isn't it? It's the uh, yeah, Moyes. Correct yeah. pronunciation. When do you think David, David Moyes, um, a.k.a. the ferryman, is going to start getting um, credit? Because he got absolute pelters on this show for a long time, mostly at the hands of Jim Campbell. Mm-hmm. But he's starting to do okay now. He is doing okay, yeah. Um, and we'll credit where it's due. He's, he's doing all right. It's funnier when he isn't. Yeah. Let's be honest. Why do you hate David Moyes, Jim? I don't hate him. He just looks like a ghost. Because he refused a crisp. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Wait, I don't remember this. In the, in the stands when he was out in Spain, when someone was... offered him a crisp. Or as they call him in Spain, I don't know, patatas fritas? Yeah. And the, Maybe he knew about COVID, like, ahead of time. way ahead of that. Yeah, I know, but... way ahead of that. David Moyes managing Sociedad. What, what, what an innocent time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just, oh, we had an email. It's not Real Sociedad. It's not Sociedad. It's never not. It's never just Sociedad. It's but I don't know what's short for it then. Okay, Real Sociedad always. Real Sausage. Real Sausage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just not allowed to be short. Anyway, the draws have happened. Yes, we now know who is going to be facing whom in the next round of both Champions League and Europa League, and the tastiest one. Would it be fair to say is Chelsea against Atletico? I think it's definitely... It's a great draw, first and foremost. When when I looked down the draw uh, yesterday, I thought, you know what? Every single one of those ties is decent mm. to, in my own personal opinion it's wheat heavy isn't it I think so yeah absolutely all, all the chaff's gone down into the Europa definitely, League definitely. <laughs> no chaff has snuck through no and some chaff was already in the Europa League yeah. game, wasn't it <laughs> for um, now are they still in it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Really, that's really good guys yeah that's really good anyway sorry Luke so are Spurs <laughs> yeah uh, and and um, and th- I suppose the reason b- behind your question, if I may interpret it this way, is that it will be a really good test for Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Obviously, yeah. Chelsea have, have answered some of the critics, some of whom are in this room from the start of the season, about what they can do and what they're capable of, particularly defensively. And now they're going up against um, basically a team of absolute shits mm. with a end-of-level boss... In terms, uh, instead of a manager, yeah, he even dresses like an end of level boss oh, in the Streets of Rage Two on the Sega Master System. I'll tell you later, Kate. Thank you. Mega, Mega Drive, I believe. Mine was, I, no, I, I had it on Game Gear actually. Could you? Could you get it on the Master I don't System? Ga- I had it on Game Gear. You're probably right about Mega Drive. I had it on Game Gear though, 100. Mm. This is kind of like the reverse of when you go. I used to like go to old people's homes and chat to them. You know, back mm. in school, you do your community service. What, they play they, Streets of Rage. They go, quite, <laughs> well, they go off on one of our EastEnders or whatever, and you just sort of sit there waiting for them to yeah to tie themselves um, out. That's kind of my approach to well, this. The, the, where Luke and I grew up, it was a lot like the game Streets of Rage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say, Jim? Endlessly fighting people with the same haircut. Yeah, which is people that yeah. have essentially look like exactly the same man trying to fight you. Yeah, and there's chicken on the oh, floor and that. Speaking of this, speaking of that, <laughs> yesterday you referenced referenced a friend's dad who was only known by the name Wild Kev. Yes, Wild Kev. Yes. And when I was as a list, just as a listener, just as a listener, I, thought, I wanted to know more. I did it as well. So can you give us? Can you fill the gaps in a little bit? Yeah. So uh, they're my friends Brett and Ryan. The two brothers. They're both um, 
punks, like proper skate punks, love it even now. They're now sort of skate punk dads. Yeah, okay. uh, they're Aww. really, really positive people. Uh, they're both from East Ham. Um, and just, yeah, they just always refer to their dad as Wild Kev. They're a really close-knit family. Do you well. know Wild Kev? I've met Wild Kev, yeah. He's, not, it, like, he's not like a psychopath. He's just a nice dad. Is it due to a specific incident? No idea. That he got it. Is it, ar- is it, no ironic? it might be ironic. Uh. It, it may have been, and it, I think it's, it's just his name now. I think they sure it's not Mild Kev? No, it's definitely Wild Kev. What do you think? And so taking it back to football, what do you think um, Diego Simeone would do if, um, if, 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 his, if his daughter or one of his kids whatever brought back a boyfriend who was a skate punk uh i think he would simmer yeah he, he would simmer but at the same time i think he would just go back to his uh like like tactics board mm. and probably not be that bothered i think he's i think he's quite focused isn't he on getting the absolute best and worst out of atletico at all times um, it's gonna be a test for frank lampard wait i must say that did you say simeone or costa uh, Simeone. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I was just imagining Costa. What would he do if someone brought back? I don't think, it, the, the, despite appearances, I don't think Diego Costa's old enough <laughs> to, have, <laughs> to have a kid who's going to bring a, bring a yeah. boyfriend back. I don't know. I think he's only about 30, Diego Costa. You can start. Okay, that would be right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I understand, Kate, that it's physiologically possible. I'm just saying it's probably yeah. less than likely. Very unlikely. But we should, we don't talk about European football much on this show. Obviously, we have On the Continent, which comes out every Thursday, which people listen to. But. Atletico Madrid, it is worth pointing out, have conceded four league goals this season. Just yeah. four. Okay. And, and they're um, second on the table with two games in hand over Real Sociedad, who you know we may come on to in a minute. But um, Yeah, but the table is bullshit as well, isn't it? Because Real Madrid are third in the table, th- uh, three points behind, is it? And they've got one game in hand over Real Sociedad. Yeah. So effectively, they're all in basically the same sort of place. If they played all the games, assuming Atletico Madrid had won, won them, they'd be three points clear. No, let's go Madrid have got two games in hand over. Yeah. Um, there'd be six points clear, wouldn't they? Sorry, yeah. three points clear of Real Madrid. They are currently three points clear of Real Madrid. Uh, okay, so yeah. fine. We could do these maps all day, Baldwin, if you want. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> it was about to be a big story about how the tables are fucking irrelevant, but no, I see what I've done there. I've just, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I've just, I've just proved <laughs> that actually yeah. the tables yeah. are totally relevant. I stand completely corrected. Yeah. I apologise, Luke. Yeah. What point were you trying to make? Your advocacy has failed. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make a point that it's a real test for Lampard, I'm sure, of relationship because he appears mm. to be a real learner and someone who likes to improve as he goes on. Um, clearly, he's improved a great deal since he started managing, if, if this season's evidence is to be is to be um, believed. And, you know, despite some of the chat that's been about how it's such an odd season, it's difficult to read much into it. You could easily just argue, well, this season's going to be about the manager and the team who most deal with the challenges successfully. You yeah. know? And, and, so, and so far, I think Chelsea have been okay. Do you think, I mean, there's a lot been said about how Chelsea haven't necessarily um, been at their best against teams in the top half of the table. Um, and yeah. how defensively they are perhaps still a little bit shaky. I mean, obviously we, we look at Simeone as a bit of a tactical pragmatist, but essentially most of the time they have they have a game plan they stick to, which he will adjust for certain opponents. But do you think, do you think Atletico would do anything that we wouldn't expect them to do against Chelsea? I think it would be very much a case of them inviting Chelsea to break them down and then seeing whether they've they've got what what it takes to do that. Yeah, I understand. I understand the point. I think that they'll probably just back themselves, won't they? Atletico, they'll back themselves and say this is how we play and this is how we're going to do it. And and I don't. I just think it presents a, a, a number of challenges for for front line past Chelsea. And I think although they've started conceding goals again to a small degree, mm. they are still defensively decent, aren't they? 
mm. they'll see. I mean, it's not like they're not they're not like a disaster defensively. No, no. But the thing you're referring to there is the fact that they haven't beaten anyone in the top half this season. I think or something like that. Anyway, they haven't picked up a win against a top ten team, or whatever the stat is, which is quite interesting in itself. Mm. Um, yeah, but with the table, I guess with the table that we're not looking at, flatter than it has been in previous seasons. Some mm. of these, you know, your wins and your draws are a bit more equal, perhaps, than they have been previously. Yeah, so you mean. And it was what is also worth pointing out that Atletico, uh, uh, you know, going forward are, are more impressive than they have been in recent years. I'm not a Spanish football expert by any means, but just on the goal score column, they're scoring goals than you otherwise would, more than you otherwise would expect from this team that apparently they're like. So players like João Felix, you know, being you know, being lively, and, and and so so it's it, it's it's a it's a difficult challenge for Chelsea, but you'd expect that because it's a knockout stage of the Champions League. So um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Frank Lampard said, you know, I will say, people will say, in fact, that it's the toughest draw uh, that we could have had when you go on current form. But of course, these games aren't being played until the new year. So yeah. current form is kind of, I suppose that was the point I was trying to make about the table. However, maybe the point is experience of that team. You know, this is a, a, a wily lot led by a wily manager uh, against a Chelsea side that are still finding their, their form. Mm. And their process. Yeah, we're just, I mean, because I've got such a new manager. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly right. Um, And perhaps if they did need a bit more experience, uh, Chelsea... They, it turns out they might be able to summon a former great of their team into interaction, as indeed they did last night with Danny Drinkwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Uh, given that there's no, fa- I mean, I know we've got some some stadiums with fans at the moment. Um, but, I mean, given there's no fans generally, I think I'd rather just watch reserve football. Yeah, oh, it's like. sad. it looked it's amazing. Like. Do you know? I don't watch a lot of reserve football, but it's not normally like that because no. you know it's youngsters and they're all green and keen and trying to you know show that they're good professionals. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Alfie Devine just like trying to beat up. Well, no, actually, sorry, he just made a quite what would you call he it a disrespectful an challenge. A di- it was disrespectful. On straight red yeah. karate kick. It was, it but was, mainly he was showing who's boss in that. He, wasn't he? he was so, like, "I'm boss, Danny Drinkwater." So, so for those who haven't seen it, I mean, it was mentioned brief on the show yesterday, yeah. but it happened last in night. preview. Yeah, we yeah, previewed exactly. the under twenty threes, of <laughs> yeah, course, yeah. and it, incredibly, it didn't disappoint. No. That's the kind of that's the kind of football podcast you're listening to, guys. <laughs> So Chelsea drew was it? They drew two all with Spurs. Yeah, in, a, in an under twenty threes game. I guess you know. I suppose it's uh, what what some people would term reserve football or whatever. But it is a combination of young players coming through trying to make a name and players working their way back from injury and all that type of stuff. Hence, hence Danny Drinkwater playing. Um, I mean, I suppose Danny Drinkwater might just be planning to get a game. I'm not really sure what his recent injury mm. record's been like, but he's obviously been nowhere near the Chelsea team and spent some time out on loan. We could get quite injured if he keeps getting tackled. Well, Alfie, Alfie. I mean, and that's the thing. So, you know, people, the, the general angle has been, so what happens at one point in the game, Alfie Devine puts a tackle in from miles out. It's one of the worst tackles you'll ever see. Yeah. Two-footed, a terrible, terrible t- tackle on someone who's had yeah. injury problems in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So you understand why Danny Drinkwater's pissed off. However... To go in for a full-on fight with a 16-year-old yeah, yeah. is I mean, that's the kind of stuff Wild Kev would do. Yeah. <laughs> I Honestly, I don't think Drinkwater's gone in hard enough there. Stop the disrespect it. from that young man. Yeah. Outrageous. 16 years old. He's just... He's gone to his mates. But you I'm should gonna, be. You're I'm Premier League winner. Danny drink water out. Danny, you're a Premier League winner. You should be able to take that sort of shit. No yeah. one should be able to disrespect you once you've reached this stage in your it's, career. And I guess that's probably the problem for Danny drink no, water. I, I, well, he's a better. He's hypothetically a better man than I am. Then because I'd have been absolutely fuming. Mate, he tried to plant one. I don't know the terminology. He did really bad fighting. Yeah. <laughs> 
So there's a lot of so there's a lot of pressure on this. A lot of sorry attention on this game already because Czech's playing. So <laughs> sorry, I only even, even mentioned even that. More like it took Czech about fifteen minutes to get yeah. him. He doesn't look like he's got both legs anymore. No, he doesn't. No. He's only thirty-eight, which isn't traditionally that old for a keeper. I know goalkeepers have got a lot younger more recently, but I mean, yes, yes, thirty-eight-year-olds are really young, Luke. <laughs> I, th- I think if you looked at the, the f- if you think if you looked over the years, Jim, you'd agree with this, wouldn't you? Like thirty-eight isn't massively old for a goalkeeper. I mean, there are goalkeepers still playing at that age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I was was just going to say that I I disagree slightly with you, Kate, because I feel like, you know, there are certain types of challenges in in football at whatever level you play where I believe Uh. you're within your rights to get fucking pissed off about mm-hmm. and it's not just the fact that he's gone a little bit late and made a mistake and he's kind of put his hands up and said sorry you're too quick for me whatever he's purposely tried two-footed at shin high yeah. to completely clean him out and Danny Drinkwater is someone who's got a history of having difficult injuries and it's his livelihood so he's going to get pissed off in the yeah. heat of the moment we can't necessarily be too judgmental also about, as well in the heat of the moment you don't necessarily go that kid's 16, yeah. that there is this factor and there is that factor. You're just pissed off. No, the, I, I would like be thinking, he's only 16, I've got a good chance of being able to beat him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> this he's a child, we're probably yeah. not that evenly matched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, fine. So, yeah. so when all... Eden Hazard beat up that ball boy, he didn't beat him up, did he? No. But, you know, little, little, kick, you know I mean? little kick. Little kick. He's um, absolutely venerated, that kid. Devine and, um, and Drinkwater both sent off for that as well. Oh. Yeah. yeah. How, how Bloody un- right as how well. Unjust. Just, yeah. un- unedifying. I love yeah. the commentary on it as well, because I guess it would have been like, you know, uh, in Club TV Channel. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or, you know, and those sort of gigs that we've talked about in the past that you're getting into when you're trying to perhaps break into to commentating and they just went, oh, no, oh, yeah. no, no. <laughs> like... I don't really know what to say about this, and yeah. uh, it's uh, it's not pretty. Anyway, they're both fine. Yeah, apparently so. I don't I know. Believe. I so. Yeah, we drink water up straight away. I think he's fine. Yeah. yeah. I think. I Give think, us a call, Danny. Yeah. I think Alfie Alfie Devine's probably uh, currently on WhatsApp to his mates telling them about it. Yeah. I expect he's probably, probably got a lot. He's having a brilliant day. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. We yeah. don't encourage this. We don't encourage no, this. No, we, we don't. But he's 16, isn't he? So he's probably he's rash. made a name for himself amongst his mates there. He's probably looking for the Argus catalogue for what he wants for Christmas. Yeah. I expect. Looking at one of those um, scientific calculators for his maths TCSEs. Right. Yeah. Because in, that's what you do when you're 16. Yeah. That's what yeah. you did when you were 16, I can't Nick? remember, yeah, Kate, because yeah. I'm too old. But it'll, it'll, uh, back it'll... in the day... Were you having a push pop, watching the Smash Hits poll winners party? If anyone's anyone listening, if you want to explain to on Twitter to Kate what, what the Argus catalogue is, <laughs> I uh, know what yeah. the Argus catalogue. They've, they've uh, discontinued it. Haven't I they? know you do because yeah. you've got an Elizabeth Duke ring on at the moment. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, I thought they discontinued it because it was too papery. And they're Maybe. trying to save the planet. Who's hoping? Ah, oh, but that's an institution of which I have heard. Mm. Um, let's crack on with the rest of the draw for the let's stick with the Champions League for starters okay so RB Leipzig up against Liverpool Mönchengladbach are going to be playing City two more delicious little contests yeah Mönchengladbach being in there is very retro I like that yeah, yeah. it is first time they've made it to the last 16 since 1987 mm. and, and they're a team who are absolutely huge in the 70s like yeah. one of the biggest teams in Europe in the 70s UEFA Cup success and they got to a European Cup final as well um, they're not having a great um, season so far domestically but this season, I mean, but, but again, this is this fake table business, isn't it? Well, yeah, let's not get into that again, Kate, because I think that's a little bit kind of a, it's a little bit 
kind of arch, isn't it? Mm. It's the, it's the so? table Why? that we have, isn't it? It's, we, it's the only thing we've got to work from. Well, no. I don't know, but I, I don't think that you... Where are they sitting? So they're eighth at the moment in the table. But if you're... It's like saying, what, City are ninth in the Premier League table. But no one thinks that they're... Well, I mean, they are struggling a bit, bad example, perhaps. But they're, yeah. they're only six points off the top. And I think uh, Gladbach are what... OK, my maths has already failed. Today, yeah. they are eight points off the top. Mm. OK. So it is, it is a flatter experience than, than we've seen in the past particularly in the Bundesliga it is know, and I'm sure there's plenty of time for it to shake itself out if that's what, if that's what you're kind of referring to mm. but it's a, it's a fascinating matchup because Munchen Gladbach are an interesting team to watch and because they've got history at European level now Man City of course don't really have any history at European level mm. and and one thing that is worth kind of remembering is that the entire Pep regime is going to be judged on whether Manchester City have success in the Champions yeah. League or not Mm-mm-mm. and and this this game against Munchen Gladbach's coming at an interesting time because he's signed on this new contract. No one expected him to do it. He's going to have to rebuild the team. Um, there's a, there's a lot of areas of the team and a lot of areas of, the, of, of of his approach that need to be improved. Right, so people are piling. And it's a, maybe it's a little bit of a difficult time to talk about this because of how abject they were at the weekend. I mean, that was an absolute shower at the mm. weekend. It was embarrassing. Now, I, with the with the obvious caveat that players can be a bit tired and, and, and all the rest of it. That, that game between Man United and Man City was an embarrassment. And, and every, to the point, it actively pissed me off watching it. Mm. Um, and Man City have got a big job on their hands. They look a little bit individualistic now. They look a bit like sometimes they're trying to expect De Bruyne to do something and, or relying on an individual player to pull something out of the bag. It doesn't seem as systemic. Um, you've got players like Rodri who don't appear to be at the, at the level at the moment. Players like Laporte who've kind of fallen out of favour. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of lot on, on lot riding on this, and I think the game against the two games against Munch and Gladbach will be a real litmus test. Yeah. Um, because weirdly, in all that, Jim, before I um, before I hand over to you, like the they've only lost once since the end of September, though, City. So they're not right. actually losing games. They just they just look a bit flatter than they they than we have come to expect from them. But I think because that the Manchester derby was such a drab game that. Um, that I think it's almost going to be an anomaly. You know, I don't. I, I don't think we're going to see either team sort of play as as badly as that mm. consistently, or, or you know, more often than they don't. But I just you, you wonder with with Pep Guardiola in the Champions League if he just, if if he's just going to overthink it. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> does he? Does he? Not traditionally now. Yeah, the next game. The, the, well, well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, we'll, it, they'll probably do really, really well because he'll play his best team to its strength, and then after that, he'll be like, mm, why don't we try a one-two-eight yeah. formation? Yeah. The exciting one Too really here is Le- is Leipzig against Liverpool, yeah, and I love, isn't it? And having yeah. seen Leipzig, well, initially absolutely hammer Manchester. United, although with the questions about the derby uh, aside, you know, I think that could be as long as they're not caught being naive, Leipzig, as they slightly were at the end of that game, which of course yeah. finished three two. They should they should have a chance to do something against Liverpool. I mean, they seem like a great side. They're, tr- they're tremendously well coached, and that was the big con- that was the big contradiction or the opposite kind of uh, thing between United and Leipzig. I mean, United just look like a bunch of players, and the manager doesn't know his best. I don't mm. think he knows his best team, or he doesn't really. He changes his team a lot, certainly, and it's hard to know what type of football Solskjaer wants to be known for. The opposite to that with Nagelsmann. I mean, he's they're, they're they're incredibly well coached. I've seen them in the flesh a couple of times. Been super impressed with them both times I've seen them. Mm. Uh, and this will be a real test for Liverpool. Who less? Uh, we don't know what the injury situation is going to be by the time these games are played. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to make a, a judgment at this stage. Of course, it, yeah. it's a big test. A yeah. really big test. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the biggest kind of uh, tests that Nagelsmann can have. So it makes you wonder what he's got in store for his tailor. 
What's, exactly. What's like, he going to be wearing? Yeah, he clearly thinks about these things. Uh, at one point, he says he asks his colleagues. Does he? Yeah. They're, he brings, sometimes brings three outfits and asks his colleagues. <laughs> his colleagues don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> like I said on Twitter, last time I saw him on the touchline, he looked like a blind scientist who tried to rebuild Tony Adams from memory. I think, guys, I think <laughs> you should support your fellow men in trying to make, in these sorts of positions, trying to make fashion decisions. Because it's something, they, you guys have been oppressed for so long, yeah, really, I mean, in terms not, of aesthetic We're not not options. Supporting him, we're just yeah. taking the piss out of him. Yeah. How we communicate, isn't it? In, in a way, that is for, for some men. That is how they how they kind of endorse people. Um, I, I I would be very interested to see what he what he turns out because I think for him it's a big occasion. Yeah. They're playing against. Oh yeah. They're playing against. So it'll be a suit. It'll be tails. Tails. Oh, are top tails hat. would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's, oh. he's going he's to be dressed like Mister McCorber. It's going to be yeah. absolutely beautiful. In the uh, in the Europa League, Manchester United, they're going to be up against Real Sociedad, um, uh, Arsenal, Benfica. That's two a, cursed teams. That'll be interesting. Two cursed teams. Absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Arsenal point. bestowed the curse on themselves. It's <laughs> yeah. just a way of doing it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Will the curse multiply or will it cancel itself out? Who knows? Uh, Tottenham, Wolfsburg, um, Leicester up against Slavia Prague. So all quite delicious, really. Uh, yeah, Real Sociedad have had a great start to the season again you know to emphasize it's obviously these ties are being played in february so it's a little way to go and we can see how these things shake shake themselves out and perhaps manchester united will be playing vigorous exciting football by the time we get there well i think i think it's hard at this point to to think of a di- more difficult draw they could have got I mean, Real Sociedad have been outstanding this mm. season. It's a, obviously a, a great um, little subtext of David Silva playing against Manchester United. Mm. Um, he's been really effective for Real Sociedad but for, of what I've seen. I wouldn't be a huge Spanish football expert, as I've said, but he's he's been doing very, very well whenever I've seen him. And at the moment, given the um, given the situation May United find themselves in, it's a big test for them. I think. I think could they have got Milan? With the exception of perhaps Milan, I haven't checked whether they could have actually got Milan or not. Um, it's difficult to see a, a more tough draw they could have got on current form. But Real Sociedad, if they were to drop off domestically and mm. lose their intensity, they wouldn't be the first team of that profile yeah. to do that. Yeah. So, as you, as you said, Kate, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it's a very, very difficult draw for them seen through December eyes. It's weird. It, it does seem in, in these times in particular where there's so much football squeezed into such little time. For some reason, the draw being this far away from the actual games suddenly looks a bit weird mm. I wonder if you do it on the day in future oh yeah. nice yeah. Just I like that a day a long or day before maybe you're just... definitely going to be at home so just stay at your home stadium you are away so get to the airport departure lounge yeah. right? it's like a surprise stag weekend yeah. you don't know where you're going <laughs> this is great is it Milan? Is it because some of the Europa League, some of the teams, they won't even know where they're going. Mm. Right, you've told me to name a team. Right, now where am I going? Yeah, where is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really inspired by this idea. It'd be great. Nightmare for Nagelsmann. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what, picking his so, you have to bring a trunk. He would. You have to yeah. bring a trunk full of different Well, at outfits. least it would go with his tails set up, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah potentially. Maybe he wouldn't fancy trunk, the tails for like Metalist car yeah. Kiev. I don't know. I'd love to see Nagelsmann go steampunk. Oh, God, yeah. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Little cogs everywhere. <laughs> Goggles. <laughs> Imagine if he turned up at the tunnel dressed like a steampunk. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. It'd be amazing. I mean, let's see what happens uh, after the Christmas break. He might be having had a, an entire change of heart in terms of his aesthetic. Which wear shorts and t shirt. 
That's a good idea, actually. That will show you a hard. Yeah. There was a teacher at my school who used to always wear shorts, even yeah. on the ski trip. I know people who wear shorts every single day. It's it's a big navy thing, I think. Is it a, is it a statement a of how thing? your knees don't get war- don't get cold? What is the point is of it? Is that a I statement anyone needs to make? Yeah, it's no. like I'm so hard, I don't feel I'll t- cold. I tell you something now. If you walk, if you went down to Portsmouth and you walked around there when, in normal times, obviously when all the shops mm. are open, you'll find a lot of blokes between twenty and fifty in shorts all year. Strange. But is it is it about being hot? Is that the idea? I don't know. I'm not really sure to be honest. I mean, I'm not hard, so it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I'm and you are foot wearing full trousers today. I am full full, full length trousers. trousers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of a short trousers, trousers finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with one bottom half of one leg missing. I'm not wearing plus fours, Kate. <laughs> not today. No, not like last week. Bloody mm. hell! Mm. You can't see it on the little camera, but no. It's this little what, if you If you judge it on these cameras, you'd be like a newsreader. You can wear mm. whatever you want on the bottom half. Mm, yeah, guilty. Yeah, like Jim. Yeah. <laughs> or Kate on Sky Sports News. <laughs> Who knows what she's wearing under there? I am always wearing very formal attire. Let's get to a break. <laughs> somebody's face smash somebody oh. yeah <laughs> I agree with Keane I do not agree with Keane I agree with him that's what was going through Danny Drinkwater's Danny Drinkwater's yeah. methodology yeah. welcome back to the football ramble everybody oh uh, yeah don't don't do that don't listen to Roy Keane apart from for your own pleasant enjoyment of a yeah. Sunday afternoon like me like your wife does yeah so. she does my wife loves Roy Keane she loves him yeah. she loves him Hello, uh, Sandit Man has been in touch um, and he says, on the subject of dads and football, I have a life lesson for you. My dad absolutely despises football, so I would never oh, go to dad. him with any football related emotions. What is this? Yeah. I am an Arsenal victim and when, <laughs> when Cesc Fabregas left, I was distraught. Hmm. When my dad said I had a face like a smacked ass, I explained that my favourite player had left and I was upset. Without batting an eye, my dad said, son, did you know that if you died right now, this Cesc fella would literally <laughs> Really have no idea. <laughs> I think of this often when getting upset about matters out of my control, and it's really stuck with me. Hopefully, that helps. Does that, that help, that fantastic. Jim? It does. Yeah, that's less an email. I'm over Sesk now. That's more a um, opening salvo in a in a start of a support group for Arsenal support. Yeah, right? very much so. Yeah, or something like Jordan Peterson says in his sleep. Yeah, like, basically. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, we haven't got time for that now. No, yeah. we really um, definitely don't have time for that guy. Matthew Carlton has also sent us an email. He says, hello, Ramblers. As Christmas looms closer, I thought I'd share this story in the glimmer of hope that I can claw back some commission from a Premier League transfer that happened 17 years ago. Hope springs eternal, mate. It does. When I was 11 years old, I had a season ticket for Blackburn Rovers around the time Graham Souness was manager. <laughs> I was a football-obsessed kid, but the weirdly obsessed type who would need to know about everything going on in the game. After reading an article on Europe's hottest unknown talents in a well-known football magazine once, I started an interest in fine old winger Brett Emerton. I'm not quite sure why I started to do my own mini scout of Brett Emerton. <laughs> Maybe it's because he had a cool curtain haircut at the time, but it spurred me on to write to my football club in an attempt to persuade them to sign him. Wow. Several weeks later, I received a nice reply from the chief scout of Blackburn Rovers, acknowledging that Brett Emerton was a very talented player and that my observations of the player were very accurate. 
Fast forward 12 months, it pops up on my breaking news screen that Blackburn Rovers have signed who else <laughs> but the mighty Australian himself, Brett Emerton. No! Now, I'm not saying I'm the reason as to why Blackburn Rovers signed Brett Emerton, but how many 11-year-old kids would be writing into their football club to sign a finals <laughs> winger when they could write in and try and bag Thierry Henry? Uh, Thierry Henry. I'm just wondering what the opinions of the Ramblers are on if I have a case here to fight for credit on the Brett Emerton transfer saga. Attached is proof of the letter oh, sent back to me from the Chief Scout. Unfortunately, there is no date attached, but you can clearly see that it states Brett Emerton is a final player at the time of writing. Thank you, you very much for that, Matthew, but I think you may need help. No, do, you, no, what? do you remember no. Do you remember that guy, Ashwin Rahman, that we talked about the other day? The oh, yeah. 17-year-old yeah, guy based in India yeah. who is a scout, who yeah. has literally pretty much done what this guy did. Yeah. And then well, they were like, hey, have a job at Dundee United. I think this guy is a genius. He's just ahead of his time when the internet was good. I think if Bats you are going to send... Exist. <laughs> you're going to send an email... What, 2003? <laughs> that existed then. If you're going to send an email... I was still that, on my abacus. ...that features Brett Emerton seven times... <laughs> yeah. You're going to get certain amount of pushback is what I'm going to say. I, I think going against his case is the line after reading an article on Europe's hottest unknown talents in a well-known football <laughs> magazine. It's a shame does that. imply that perhaps yeah. Brett Emerton would be someone that teams are aware of. Yeah. But, it, you know, at the same time, he you know, the, the facts speak for themselves, right? He recommended him and, the, and they did sign him. It's so an amazing coincidence. I guess we'll never else. know. But And yeah. they, yeah. And they hope... definitely did acknowledge it per the... Uh... You know, I mean, he's attached the proof. Message back, exactly. He's attached the proof, to be fair. So, I mean, who, who are we to, to judge? I mean, it is worth probably pointing out that Bremerton was played for a fucking age as well. He was yeah. there for like eight seasons. So, he's so a brilliant signing. They should be naming a stand after Matthew Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake. Matthew Carlton, was this, I mean, it suggests this email suggests that this was his hit rate of one. Yeah, what about all the others he sent in? 10,000 emails. What about all the others he sent in? Who were the people? We want to know who the people you emailed about who didn't get signed. I would love Next it if time, Matthew. Please. I, would, I would love it if Matthew had sent in like fifteen letters before that, all with players who are completely shit, <laughs> and they just went, "Oh no, we're not doing this." Given that he's so committed to all of this and to the the annals of footballing history, I think fifteen is probably a conservative <laughs> estimate. I mean, yeah. it's, it's also as well. This this was yeah. A f- 17 years ago. So this is when managers had a lot more control over transfers. So this does imply that Graham Souness is taking scouting tips from 11-year-olds well, via letter. Yeah. It's Seems unlikely. He was probably fuming because at that time um, he had just seen a um, an eight-year-old Paul Pogba for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he'd seen like a chilling portent yeah. of what was to come. I like that a lot. Um, show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble like Sandeep did, like Matthew did. Thank you so much for getting in touch, guys. Uh, we love to hear from you. Now, a bit of sad news yesterday um, about Gerard Houllier, who has sadly died at the age of 73 after a heart operation. Uh, former Liverpool, France, Lyon, PSG and Aston Villa manager, of course. Um, I've had hundreds of tributes to Houllier over the past uh, 24 hours, many from Liverpool fans who've, you know, who've actually come to credit him with setting them on a path that would lead to their current success, particularly given that he restored them to the Champions League, uh, that they would then go on and win. And of course, venerating him for completing that cup treble. Um, he also put his body on the line when he had heart surgery after mm. he fell ill in that game against against Leeds in October well it was late in 2001 um, and then famously one of the one of people's favourite memories I think has been 
um, of him turning up to that Champions League, the sec- back when there was a second group phase in the Champions League in 2002, and Liverpool needed a 2 0 win against Roma um, to qualify for the quarterfinals. And he, looking very frail, having had that that heart surgery, he turned up on the on the sidelines and. Um, who is it? Rafa Benitez, managing uh, Roma, said, I, I, I knew then that you would win. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And so there was this like roar from the An- from Anfield, um, his return there, because he'd obviously had this such a serious yeah. uh, heart operation. There's a lovely piece um, from Phil Thompson in The Guardian about him and their relationship and the, the type of person he was and um, the, the, the influence he had at Liverpool. And, and, and Thompson makes the point as well. I mean, when they won that UEFA Cup... When they won that treble, he talked a lot about how he's like, look, this is great. With each stage of it, he's like, you can't celebrate, you can't celebrate. This is really, really great, but you've got to stay on track. And I mean, I think they had got to, they had got to a, there'd been a culture at Liverpool where they'd maybe standards have slipped a little bit, almost. Mm. Uh, Thompson said they were playing five aside in training and it's mm. the, they just weren't at the level where they could be that complacent so he a lot of people were comparing him and, to Wenger in the yeah, way that yeah, he yeah. came in and changed the um, the diet and the, the culture and the dressing room sorry it was Fabio Capello yeah, not Rafa yeah, Benitez yeah, yeah. um, <clears throat> weirdly I know what you meant yeah <laughs> Benitez would have been at Valencia then um, yeah I, I think one of the things that's come out since since his sad passing is not just some of the stuff you guys have talked about, which is you know what he was able to achieve as a manager and, and, and how much football, whether it be at Liverpool or at France, owes to him as a, as a football manager and, and a thinker, but the kind of man he clearly was as well. Um, you know, friends from all over the game, I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson coming out and saying, um, you know, how, how much of a friend he was. And I've interviewed several players, I think, that have played under him. Off the top of my head, I've interviewed Kirk, Chris Kirkland, Jeremy Carragher, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Murphy, and they're all pretty united in what they said about him. I mean, it's well worth going and listen back if you, if you haven't already at some of those Ramble Meeks episodes because um, what he was able to impart upon these players in terms of what was expected of them as human beings and, and, and how they could think about the game differently, it's actually pretty interesting. But what, what really um, shone through was just the kind of human being he, he, he clearly was. And so he's a big loss to the game generally because of, like I say, because of what he was able to achieve within it. But also as a as a kind of elder statesman of the game, I mean, being being involved in a technical capacity in all these different ways, but just the type of human being he was as well. Everyone seemed to think he was, you know, one of the nicest guys around, a very personable person, a very, you know, uh, easy guy to get on with, a classy, honourable man, and, and so it's sad for that reason as well. Mm, a lot of people talked about his generosity as well. He mm. he actually spoke about a bit about it more recently um, in a documentary he did, I think, back in 2018. Um, but this idea that, yeah, like generosity, you'll never regret being a generous person. Mm. And um, I can't remember who it was I was talking to who said that, yeah, it was almost to the extreme of like, you know, no, Gerard, like you've done enough for me. Like, that's yeah, fine. Okay. Thank you. But that's that's more than enough. You've done and, enough. And if you, if you want to stick to the, if, if, if you wanted to stick to the football side, you could say that um, from memory, that 2001 Cup treble, mm. all those finals were really interesting because yeah. the, the, the FA Cup final was the Michael Owen one, right? Yeah. Where Arsenal dominate the entire game. And then Liverpool bounce back and score two very late on. The the League Cup final, I was living with a Birmingham fan and they beat Birmingham on penalties. And that was a really interesting game. And then the, the UEFA Cup final was absolutely unreal. It was a, a, one of the most ridiculous finals mm. I've ever seen. And they win 5-4 with a golden goal. My memory is Jordi Cruyff playing for Alaves at the time. Yeah, um, and And so, not you know, you know when a, a club the size of Liverpool, it's not an over-exaggeration across a broad period of time to say they win trophies all the time compared to any other team they win trophies yeah. all the time so 
for those finals to stick in the memory so much means they have, they have a reason why, why people have an mm. affinity with them. And the fans clearly have an affinity with Julier, have an affinity with that with that season particularly. And so it, it, it cuts deep for them as well. And, and all the tributes that have come out from the players since can't speak for themselves really. There's been, also sorry. in that in that season after the UEFA Cup final they still had to qualify for the Champions League so they yes. still had to sort of keep a lid on it and go and get a result against Charlton which they then, then later did so mm. it was a hell of a, a hell of a season yeah it was Julio an incredible season um, yeah and actually when at that point when he came in it they hadn't won anything for eight years which is a compar- for Liverpool that's crazy comparable droughts mm. um yeah, to, to some of their most, their longest, well, all right, not the most recent one, but it was a big drought at that yeah. stage uh, in their career. Um, I'd actually forgotten as well, though. There are all sorts of other legs, because he's obviously a man of steel, it seems like, Sharon Hillier, because he's got these uh, great qualities of, like, you know, being really clear about what sort of person uh, you should be. But I'd forgotten that, of course, he was the France manager when they didn't qualify for the 1994 That's World correct. Cup yeah. and he called Dabajina a criminal, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. For losing the ball in the game against Bulgaria, I want to say, that then knocks them out of qualifying and they didn't make it through. Um, so it's clear that he's got some real, like, he just was absolutely, I know we say this a lot, but he was just absolutely obsessed with the game mm. and with and with trying to create this this football that would take all the teams that he managed um, to the next level. And uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just been, it's just been really... I think when there's a, a big death, you know, we we obviously were on the show when after Diego Maradona died, yeah. which was another level. But the thing about football coming together when there are these kind of significant deaths is actually, I think, one of the really lovely like community things about it. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I do. I do think that, and I think just to going back to to, to Julien in, in terms of what he did at France after he he manages France and they don't qualify, he then goes and takes a job in a technical capacity with the youth team and the academy teams, did the under twenty under 20s and the under eighteens, and set a lot of the foundation for France to go on and be successful in ninety eight and two thousand. So, yeah, look, you can always judge how how widely someone's respected by the amount of names and, and, and the different types of names that come out after someone passes away. And the last 24 hours, as you've alluded to, Kate, has been, it's been an onslaught. It's been an absolute onslaught. And I, I did enjoy um, Danny Murphy, actually, particularly. He gave a very touching tribute on the radio yesterday in tears. Um, clearly someone who meant a great deal to him, um, saying that, you know, it was funny because the type of man he was, he... He couldn't kick a ball straight. Like he wasn't wasn't very good at football at all. And he would talk to us about how what he wanted us to do. Um, and then he would try and show us, and we'd all be like laughing, like cracking up, rolling around, laughing about how how bad he was as a player. But he would never take it personally. And it's a measure of the manager he was that as soon as we got into a room to do a presentation, or he could hold a room or give a team talk, everyone was in silence, wrapped listening to him because mm. his his ability to get ideas across in a second language, his ability to understand the game at such a deep level was a huge part of how we were able to achieve what we were able to achieve. So, you know, clearly uh, he's someone with a great sense of humour as well and, and someone who, you know, saw the game in the right way and saw it, took it in the right spirit. And he came from that teaching background, I think, which is really significant when he's when he's talking about, or when all of these people are talking about him. Mm. Uh, it just seems as though that kind of strength of character and the, and the style, the approach he took, the kind of nurturing approach he took. Um, you mentioned Danny Murphy. That was, so, that was such a lovely trip also Jamie Carrier um, yeah he sounded absolutely devastated by mm. by the loss as well and um, he said that he Gerard changed me as a person and as a player and of course mm. got Liverpool back to, to winning trophies yeah. so yeah and what have I done since that's what I want to know <laughs> <laughs> 
impossible to get through it without a dig. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm, I'm obviously being dig. sarcastic. They're a fantastic team. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, it's um, it was very sad news yesterday, uh, but but lovely to hear some of the things that people have had to say. Absolutely about Gerard Hulier. Football is back tonight. We had a small respite. Finally, to watch oh, the under twenty for ages. <laughs> you know, I thought it would disappear for good. <laughs> the thing is, they give these lads too much time off, don't they? Yeah, I feel they, like yeah. they should squeeze in for a the few more. bloody money they earn. Uh, I'm not being funny, but we almost went forty-eight hours without a top-flight game. <laughs> for goodness' sake! Oh, God, I don't know what to do with myself. What did yeah. you guys get up to last night? Just, just watch reruns of the, the game at the weekend. Yeah, that's. I just true. laid face down on my bed, trying not to think. Yeah. What's the point when there's no games? Uh, what you what, didn't you squeeze in a pub trip before? I Close down. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, don't talk to me about but, that. But there are, yeah, there are some games tonight. I mean, obviously, Man City. We've mentioned they should. You'd fancy them to get through, uh, get past uh, West West Brom pretty easily. But Wolves Chelsea's an interesting one. Yeah, isn't mm. it? Very interesting game. Uh, excited for that one. And Chelsea off the back of that uh, that defeat to Everton. Yeah, and Wolves. I feel like they are coming to a stage where they might be in dangerous territory if they. Um, I don't know. Their team that was so solid last season and had such an identity to it. You know, they've obviously had some dreadful injuries, but they, um, including Raúl Jiménez. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. But this is a big game for both teams. Hundred percent. If Wolves lose tonight, they've lost three in a row, and they go to Burnley away next. And then you've got this Christmas period where there's obviously uh, a crazy amount of games. I think after yeah. this game against Chelsea tonight. Um, they, they, like I said, they go to Burnley. And I think they play three games in eight days, four games in ten mm. days, something like that. It's a lot of games to get through. Not for Wolves. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, they're like, why? With, that. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah. They're not playing enough football. Traditionally, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, know they might be all right. They're yeah. dropping off because they're yeah. just, you know, they're not playing enough. Yeah. <laughs> Burnley, a very difficult team to play, Jim. Well, they weren't traditionally yeah. from where I was sat. But Can I just say, I, I really enjoyed you talking about Arsenal yesterday. <laughs> Thanks, man. I just, I just enjoy... I, I don't, I, and there's loads of people out there who won't admit this, but <laughs> other people's misfortune around football yeah. does always make me feel like a lot better. And I like it when Jim gets to the rung on the ladder as an Arsenal fan where it's like he's just before he's so exasperated he's got nothing to say. I keep That's the thinking, sweet spot you want. You keep thinking, <laughs> we've been doing the show since 2007 and I keep thinking like they will, wow. they embarrass themselves and me to a point where it can't get worse and they keep find, they keep drilling down below the, the bottom of the barrel. This what? isn't below, is it? Is this well, as the, low the worst as we feel? Start you won the FA Cup five the, minutes ago, you Yeah, but it's the, we're talking about now, aren't we? wanker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. She can't even swear properly. She's so, there, didn't it? She's so posh, she can't even swear properly. <laughs> I just called you a wanker. You yeah. did. An entitled wanker. <laughs> You're right what you said about uh, The um, irony of that. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Me sitting here calling you that. Anyway, before, before, we get, before we have to actually leave this studio... <laughs> The one thing you'd say you're right about, Jim, is the fact that Arsenal, every, every game looks like a loss to them at the moment. It's yeah, hard to see where, where a points or three points are coming from. Um, and again, just to reiterate, I think it's bloody marvellous. Mm, Southampton at home tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that screams Theo Walcott hat trick or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the guys will cover it. I'm sure they'll cover it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm actually getting a bit of an idea for a Patreon-themed uh, episode here, Jim, uh, because I just want to let you guys know if, uh, if you want even more of uh, Jim's pain. Yeah perhaps, then do head over to the Football Ramble Patreon where you will find an absolute treasure trove of delights, a weekly bonus Ramble On episode featuring pretty glorious nonsense, to be honest. Fantasy football dinner parties, parties, fantasy football careers, access to the Discord as well is something else you get with Patreon subscription. You can chat to us if you want. And also to fellow listeners about all things football. It costs just $5 a month. So yes, head over to patreon.com slash 
Football Ramble to find out more and we'll be there waiting for you. Yeah, don't say that in a sinister one like that though. It's <laughs> alright for you to say that. If I say we'll be there waiting, waiting for you. Waiting for you. It, sounds like, like, it was the whisper, wasn't it? Taste the rainbow. Me and Wild Kev waiting for you. Wild and mild. Jim and Hated Martin waiting for you. <laughs> now there's another one. Jim knows someone called Hated Martin. <laughs> I only met him once. Uh, he told and you hated him. Honestly, he was, he was a real dickhead as well. Like it, yeah. it came across really What did he do to you? He said that he felt it, it should be legal to kill people if you could later prove they were idiots. I was like, yeah. you would not do well out of that, no. hated Martin. That's probably why you I've only met him. Why once. you've got this? Yeah, yeah. If you was there a high proof of idiot idiocy? Was there? A, I I didn't really want to talk to him, so I didn't get <laughs> into might, too much. It might have detail. been an absolutely brilliant idea, Jim, and you missed the chance to work it all out. Marcus, Pete, and Andy are going to be perhaps working this out tomorrow yeah. instead. Say goodbye, Luke. Um, goodbye, and reminder that Jim is back on Thursday after <laughs> Arsenal play. That's so amazing. Tune in for that one. Are you organising that? Is this a self-flagellation no. thing, it's not, Jim? I've just nothing to do with me. Is this something you need? I'm Support sure there are dark forces at work. Though. <laughs> yeah. Say goodbye. Jim in a cheerful voice (laughs) bye guys catch you next time this was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network